0: Okay, welcome back to Cusp of Coffee. My name is Uweis Adam, a third-year dental student. And I am Johan de Klerk, a final-year dental student. And welcome back to another week in the chaos that is dental school. So uh, this week was pretty interesting for both of us, and I'm going to let Johan take the lead here and uh, go first in telling us all the drama that happened in this week.
1: Yeah, I think on my side... uh, Yeah, I was kind of fighting for my life (laughs) by the end of this week. So the start of the week um, was kind of just the usual. So I had a few like routine clinics. I had some period, I had some peds, I had some oral surgery. Um, Oral surgery, funnily enough, I'm not always that excited to go to oral surgery, but I think it was actually (laughs) one of the most fun clinics I had this week because... um, Okay, let me preface it this way. Um, I got the tooth out, and that's okay. the only time oral surgery is fun. Like, <laughs> yes, if like when you get had, to do that. Yeah, so I had a bit of a tricky case. I had a two eight, and it was just retraced um, mm. that needed to come out, but just because of like the anatomy that I was dealing with, the visibility on that two eight, like it was basically nothing. Mm. So. I, for the most part, was just kind of extracting blind. (laughs) And (laughs) um, it was just so difficult to, like, yeah, just get access to the area. But eventually I managed to, like, get an elevator in there and just, like, slowly, methodically push everything out. Mm. And then once it came out, I felt like a champion because I was like, yeah, I did this thing. (laughs) I don't even know how I did the thing, but I did the thing. (laughs) You did the thing. So that was nice. Actually, all the clinics were nice. But it was just, like, we had a lot of assignments due, um, had a lot of studying that needed to happen, a lot of treatment plans that needed signed off. So it's like the clinics, you know, were fun, but, like, you're in the clinic and you have to focus. And the moment you get out of clinic, then there's, like, a bunch of other stuff that you need to go and worry about. Yeah. But then on Wednesday, things started getting, like, a bit more stressy, I'd say. So... Um, on that morning, I had that oral surgery session I just spoke about. And then after that, I had like a ton of lab work I needed to go and do for Crown & Bridge. Um, which, by the way, just a quick side tangent. Um, I feel like I get a lot of questions on either why I'm always in the lab or like yeah. how I, how I managed to get myself <laughs> in the lab. Because I know a lot of people don't like being in the lab. Yeah, most and people don't my kind of two cents on it is that in terms of like moving the needle forward i think mm. lab work is one of the best ways you can spend your time because if you know your lab work is done this it just like takes a lot of mental weight off yeah and it means you can see your patients a lot quicker if you can be quick with your lab work so you can you know get through cases quickly and i think the the problem is just that lab work tends to be very tedious and it can also be very frustrating, especially like when things don't work, work out as well and, you know, you have to spend like an extra hour on something that you didn't like uh, budget for that day. But I think it's just about trying to make the lab work not boring. And there's like different ways you can do it. So I know, for example, like two of my friends, they will refuse to do lab work if the other one isn't there. And so... It's this weird, like, accountability thing where they, they they kind of force each other to go to the lab. Oh, that's actually interesting. <laughs> but they're good friends. So when they're at the lab, you know, they get to hang out and stuff. So they kind of, like, that's how they make it fun for themselves. Because otherwise they're just so unmotivated <laughs> that they don't mm. do lab work anyway. So there's no point in going yeah. to the lab. Yeah. Especially
0: if you don't enjoy the lab work, then you're just sitting there and you're just hating every minute of it. And like we said before, if you hate it, you're not going to want to do it. And if you're not going to want to do it, doing it's going to be the worst
1: thing ever for you. Yeah. And I mean, I say this as someone who has done a lot of lab work. Lab work is not intrinsically fun. (laughs) There's not like um, a lot of fulfillment that always comes from doing lab work. A lot of it is just kind of, it feels a bit menial. So at least for Mm. me, the way I make it fun is I usually just listen to like podcasts or audiobooks And that for me is enough to like make the thing fun. Cause then it feels like, you know, I get to listen to this thing that I enjoy listening to, mm. but I'm also being productive. So it's like a nice mix of the two. Yeah. If I had to spend all those hours with nothing, just sitting there like on my own, yeah, I would hate lab work. But yeah, I feel like lab work is one of those things where we all have to do it so why not try to make it fun? And I feel like most people yeah. don't even try to make it fun, so they're like, yeah, of course it's not gonna be fun. So you just gotta be a bit creative with that, I feel. Um, oh, but yeah, anyway, so on Wednesday, I was busy doing my thing, making special trays mm. for my patients, doing wax-ups, and I was actually <laughs> listening to um, this book called *Oathbringer*. It's like this fantasy book about like knights, and While I was like trimming the special trays against one of the stone wheels, there's like acrylic all around me and stuff. Um, In between the noise, there was actually like this one line um, that came out of um, the part I was listening to. And it was just this question of like, what's the most important step a person can take? And that was kind of like sitting in the back of my head for the rest of the day. But that question actually like ended up coming back in a big way the next day, because on the Thursday... I had Crown and Bridge, which is currently my most daunting clinic. Like it is the one clinic at the moment where I have genuine fear. <laughs> I think in large part, because like it's just a bit of a high stress environment, but also most of the procedures, I don't have a lot of experience in because we only started this year with Crown and Bridge. Yeah. Know? So it's hard to feel confident when you don't feel like you're competent. You know, it's that kind of that kind of dynamic. Yeah. Um, and also, I walked in on Thursday, making like one of the biggest mistakes in dentistry, which was Uh-oh. like telling myself this will be quick, oh, no, never. <laughs> which, I, never. which is like, <laughs> which is like you know an amateur move, but I pulled it anyway. Um, <laughs> so, just fast forward a little bit. I walked in at seven fifteen that day. I walked out of Crown and Bridge at quarter past one, meaning I was in there for six hours damn six hours which was not which was not fun (laughs) so So what made it take like six hours okay so that day i needed to do a post and core on an upper maxillary molar okay and i was scared out of my mind post and cores in general like they're scary for me just because i've heard so many stories of other students perforating um in the process of trying to prep a post and core. And here I am having to do it on an upper maxillary molar in the palatal root. And oh, it's not like you have like a, a CVCT or anything. So you don't know what angle that um, palatal root is going. So at every stage of the process of doing that post and core, I was like convinced I was gonna perforate this tooth somehow. Um, mm. And on top of that, so Obviously, before you do a post-encore, the tooth needs to have a root canal treatment. And luckily this this patient already had a root canal treatment from a few years ago. But when that dentist finished that root canal, um, they obviously had no intent of this tooth ever being opened again. Mm. So this tooth was just like basically flooded with composite. Um, Oh, goodness. Like, it was even slightly going into the canals. So, for me to get to the, you know, the GP of the palatal root, I had to, like, find it somehow in between just all of that composite, which all looks the same. And if I'm not in the right area and I go too deep, then the only thing I'm going to see is blood coming out of, like, the interradicular area because I've perforated, you know. So... I'm slowly like taking away this restoration, like layer by layer by layer. And it's just taking so long because I have to be so cautious. And eventually Mm. I find the little opening to the palatal root. So I start cleaning that out and stuff, but because of the location and because it's such a small area to work with, um, it was just really difficult to see, especially without any magnification. Because mm. I'm still not really used to my loops, so I didn't bring it on the day. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So I'm just kind of, you know, doing my best here, fighting for my life. But <laughs> like the whole time, I'm just very scared of everything, and I'm kind of doing everything from this place of like proceed with caution, mm. uh, because I just don't have a lot of experience of like post on cause, especially on a tooth like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was just really stressed the whole time. I was getting frustrated at how long it was taking for me to do everything. But at the same time, I was like, listen, I've been at this for like three hours. I'm not gonna perforate the tooth now, you know? <laughs> yeah, it'll <So, laughs> be, <that'll> be bad. <laughs> so eventually, eventually I got the post space, like sorted, no perforation, everything looks good. Um, Now it's time to make a temp crown. So if you make a temp crown for like a post and call like this, you put in like a little temporary post mm. and then you flow composite over that to make your temp crown. Oh, okay. And now like I'm, so I do that, right? I'm just going through the motions, like thinking back to what we did in pre-clin. I was like, oh, I got this. Like, you know, again, yeah, again, I made the mistake of like, oh, like this will be quick. <laughs> and the the composite sets, right? And I'm looking at this tooth and all of a sudden it occurs to me because of like the the angle of the palatal root, that post, that temporary post I put in was basically coming out at like a 45 degree angle. And now I put composite on top of that, which needs to come off, you know, at kind of like a zero degree angle to the length of the tooth. So by putting in this little post, temporary post, I created like an insane amount of retention which is really oh. good for the sake of like the temp crown staying in the mouth. It's not as good when you haven't cemented that crown yet. So yeah, the final. I'm looking at this thing and and I'm like, I need to get this out somehow so I can just put like some temporary cement on it. And this is where, once again, I was very humbled and I realized there's still a lot of stuff I don't know. Um, because up until this point, whenever I tried to take out a temporary crown, I would just take like a little spoon excavator or something, put it on the sides of the crown and just try to lift it off of the prep, right? Mm. And up until now, that has worked. So I was like, oh, I guess this is just how you do it. But with this temp (laughs) crown, like that obviously wasn't going to work, you know? So I'm like struggling, you know, fighting for my life. And eventually the (laughs) supervisor comes past. She looks at me. She's like, Johan, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, doc, I'm trying to get this temp crown off. And I'm like, it's just all coming and I don't know what to do. And she's like, is that an excavator? Like, spoon excavator? And I'm like, yeah. And she's, she just like, looks at me in size. And I'm like, oh no. So she comes back with an artery forceps. And I'm like, oh, that makes way more sense. Like, <laughs> that's so much easier. And then um, now the supervisor. Is like okay, no. Let me take it, take it off for you, and like the supervisor starts fighting with this temp crown because of like the post that's in there, mm. and eventually we're, we're doing full on like extraction motions to oh try goodness. and get this like temp <laughs> crown out. Like literally, I'm standing on the side, and it literally looks like someone is trying to extract this tooth, um, just because of like how Damn. much force we're trying we're using to try and get it out. Um, eventually, it pops out, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah we got this, you know. Meanwhile, at this mm. point, it's already in overtime. But I'm like, okay. So I quickly mix my, my poly-F, slap it on the temp crown, and I'm like, you know what? At the very least, this temp crown is not going to fall out like the previous temp crown. Like the previous so, one, yeah. you know, at least, it, at least in that regard, success. So I put it in, cemented. I'm like, awesome, you know. Patient feels around, and the patient is like, it feels a bit high. And... Keep in mind, already over overtime, <laughs> already tired. I was just like, you're okay. So I put in the <laughs> okay. little articulating paper. I go through the motions. But in my head, I'm like, no. Like, flipping, we've made it this far. Um, We're going to end strong, okay? I'm not yeah. going to break this tenth crown. After I already broke the last one. I was like, <laughs> no. So literally, the water is like clearing out at this point. Even the... um like support staff are leaving and I'm still there fighting for my life. But eventually (laughs) we like finished it off nicely. And the patient was actually really understanding. Um, And so like ultimately everyone left happy. I complete, I finished so late that our lectures already finished. So it wasn't that I was late for the lectures. I just straight up missed the lectures (laughs) because of how late (laughs) I finished. Um, So at this point, I mean, it's like quarter past one, I'm flippant, done, I'm dead. And then I realized, like, that was only the first session of the day. So f- for some reason, I decided to be proactive, like the week prior. And I booked an overtime ortho session for four <laughs> o'clock that afternoon. <laughs> so I walk, I, I get some food, I sit, I finish an assignment that needs to be in by 4 p.m submit the assignment right before. <laughs> I pass out for like 10 minutes. I put like a little alarm on my phone. I just pass out in one of the lecture halls. Alarm goes off, I'm like, okay, let's go to author. And I needed to deliver like this modified space maintainer tongue gate thing mm. that we designed like a few weeks, a few weeks ago. Um, but at this point, like my brain is fried. Um, so I'm kind of just hoping for this appliance to fit perfectly, once again, my fault. Your fault. You're never, it's,
0: it's never going to do that. It's,
1: yeah. Like, I don't know what I was thinking, thinking it was going to be easy. Um, because it's like this heavy custom thing we made. Um So unfortunately, it didn't fit. <laughs> and I had of, to course, go of course, of course. And make like all kinds of adjustments to the metal framework until it fit nicely. And at some point, the burr. It's just like it went skew. So I had to go and find a new one and stuff. It was just drama. Anyway. Oh, God. Eventually, it fits. I cemented. Patient is happy. And I get to go home like just before six. The Stop. only issue was the next morning, Friday morning, we wrote endo and peds. So oh. I was like coming off of that day just to go straight into like this big study session. Damn. Um, but... Right before I started studying for the evening, um, I just took like, literally, I just took an hour. I was like, okay, let me just chill for an hour. So I made some dinner and stuff. And then I actually continued listening to like the last part of the audiobook I was listening to in the lab the day prior. Um, And it ended with like one of the following lines, which really like rang true for me on the day and that I've really been thinking about. Which is basically just this line of what is the most important step a person can take it's not the first one is it it's the next one it's always Mm. the next step and when i heard that especially after that day of like no like let me just keep going let me just do the thing do the thing after that i was like yeah you know what like sometimes like despite you know having all these grand ideas and stuff some days just aren't going to go to plan and, like, yeah. all you can do is literally just take that next, next step. Like, don't think about two days from now, three days from now, a week from now. Like, literally just what is the next thing I need to do right now? Yeah,
0: I find that helps a lot. Like, especially because you usually get a timetable. And, like, I have this planner on my desk where – because I feel like for me especially – and I think you're the same, like laying everything out and like planning ahead is like kind of keeps you sane, mm. you know? It's like you can plan your time and stuff like that. And if you look ahead too much, you start to get really panicked mm. because it's like there's like two tests coming up, an exam year, an assignment due year, like all these things and you just like, and you're, you're busy like I roster in times to study. And I'm like, oh, I have so much studying to do. And that can really demotivate you when you spend like, for example, Six hours in the clinic. Mm. And then after that, you're like, wow, I feel kind of, I feel very drained, but also kind of accomplished. And then you realize, oh, wait, I have to go home and study now. Mm. Like, it just, you know, it's not a nice feeling. So you need to focus on just like the day. Mm. Um, And so like, like, you know, hearkening back to that. So in the, I feel like this is like, a, am completing a trilogy here because in the first episode of the podcast, I basically spoke about how I was anticipating um, oral surgery coming up. Yeah. And in the second episode, I kind of spoke about my first week and how I was like struggling, you know. And so now in the third episode, I'm speaking about my final week of oral surgery in the in the block week. And lots of lots of things happened. So in that first week, like I spoke about last time, I didn't extract a full tooth. And it was really like, you know difficult to like wrap my head around the fact that I can't I'm not perfect at this new skill yet. Mm. And so this week, um the week started off really strong because in that first session, um I actually got my first tooth out and it was a 2-6. It wasn't it wasn't like a loose one. It was like tight in there. And um I basically got it out all on my own. And so that felt it really like nice. I was like, okay, the the week the week is looking up, you know? And again problem don't ever think that like never ever ever think that it's not a good idea and so the next day immediately after that I was right back down in the dumps feeling like an absolute waste man and a useless person because that whole day I couldn't get a single tooth out so like there was um and that was like one of the worst days of the week I was feeling so demotivated and so like just annoyed and like agitated the entire day because We had like four or five hours of oral surgery and all the cases was just impossible. Like there was two broken down roots that were like stuck in there. And because we just started, we're not allowed to use elevators and things like that. So the supervisor had to come get it out. Then there was two wisdom teeth um, that were also very like complicated. Supervisor had to come get them out. And then I saw a third patient even. And again, there, there was like a couple of roots and... I was struggling with the one and I told the supervisor just to come and help me like position my forceps. And as she was positioning the forceps for me, the root popped out and I was like, well, there goes my last hey, chance big. of getting something out today. And like you said, like, yeah. unless you get something like get a tooth out or a root out in oral surgery, it, it's, like, it, it's not like a good session, you know? Like yeah. you can struggle, but if you get it out, the feeling of a reward is great. If you struggle yeah, and you don't get anything it, out. Yeah, like it was worth it if you struggle and you don't get anything out, it's like you still learned, but your brain tells you that was a wasted session. So Mm. like, again, that was like not a good day. Then the next day in oral surgery, again, it was like literally this up and down motion. Like the first day was great. The second day was horrible. And then the third day was good because I had a lot of um, patients with very like broken down roots, you know, roots that have been stuck in there for a while very, like, rotten and easy to take out because the body already pushed them out and they were just sitting in the gum. And so, like, some of them just popped out with the flat plastic already, you know, while I was um, reflecting. And so there you kind of have, like, a false sense of, like, achievement, you know, because I'm like, oh, I got a root out. But not really, because it was, like, barely in the bone, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But it still gave me a little bit of satisfaction. I felt like I still accomplished something without, you know, a lot of assistance. And so it was this constant like up and down motion throughout the whole week of like really good day, really bad day, mediocre day, really bad day. Because I had like, a couple of days where just things weren't going well, you know, and they have like there's a lot of people in the clinic. I have to walk up and down looking for a supervisor. You get really drained and then you still don't get the tooth out. So it was that constant struggle, you know, of feeling like you're not really accomplishing much and then we ended off the week in a very interesting way because on the um on the friday so in the oh, on the thursday morning early in the morning before the clinic we started doing like suture demos so it was busy like suturing and stuff in the just in the skills lab practicing suturing and stuff and i was like really interested to do that because it looks very interesting it looks fun it's way more difficult than I thought. You need a lot of fine motor skills for that. But it was like very, it's like one of those skills, you know, you see them in like, you see it around, you always, whenever you see somebody suturing, you're like, wow, that person knows what they're doing in life. Like, that's a, that's a doctor right there. And so like, you want to do it. And so doing it, I was like, okay, cool. I'm adding this skill to my arsenal. And the next day in the clinic, um, I actually got to see or like one of the one of the supervisors, one of the more chilled ones, actually told one of the people in our group, he was like, yeah, just go and suture. And she was like, uh, okay, like we literally learned this yesterday, but okay. And so I was there also, and I was like kind of helping. Um, I kind of really wanted to dive in and just attempt it myself, but I was just kind of watching and assisting her to like try and suture this patient. And obviously it didn't work out. Like I could tell immediately, and in my head, I was like, I hope she's not feeling bad about this because we literally learned this yesterday. And she's having to suture like a 4'8". Like, it's like so far back. It's just not going to... It's like... I mean, it's difficult. And then I was also really excited, like legitimately excited to call the supervisor in and let him do the suturing. Um, because I feel like it's also... Like, you can either look at it as being very really demotivating, like... I couldn't accomplish this, but the supervisor can. Or you can look at it in the sense of like, I couldn't accomplish this, but the supervisor can. And that means one day I will also be able to. And so uh, watching him do it, it was like obviously very flawless, very easy to do. And it was like, again, like he's been doing it so long, it's now easy, you know? It's now something that he doesn't struggle with compared to how we were struggling to actually suture that. Um, I mean we had like a fourth year even helping us And even like he was also struggling Because it's still a really new skill Relatively new even for him or or the fourth years And so watching that doctor do it It was like okay cool Like I know that with time and with practice This can get better And so I feel like that was the theme again for me this week Like uh, overall it was just like once again Up and down, up and down like feeling useless, feeling like you did accomplish something, kind of feeling like you're getting it. And just when you feel like you're getting it, it smacks you down again, you know? (laughs) Um, And still that feeling of coming home and like reflecting on the day and wondering like, what did I actually learn? And did I, was it like, was it something that I, like, did I, could I have done things better? And then also realizing at the same time, It's still really, it's like, okay, not relatively. It's still really new, you know. But now that this block week is done, we're kind of finished with oral surgery for quite a while. Um, I won't be getting any more practice. I have normal, I have an ortho block week to do. um, And which I've heard is really bad because it's difficult to bend wires and things like that. (laughs) Um, And um, yeah, I've seen a lot of bruised fingers from my classmates. Um, And then... After that, we have basically starting a normal clinic again. And the only time I really touch oral surgery again is in the fourth term, when we have a a clinic once a week. So I'm curious to see how I do in oral surgery after this this long break, you know, um, of not doing it when I actually get back to it. Um,
1: But that's basically my week, yeah. I actually think it's nice to have a bit of time after the block week because... It kind of gives your head some time to st- work through a lot of the, a lot of what you were struggling with in a more, I guess, objective sense. Because when it's so mm. fresh, you still think like, you know, oh, that was just like a sucky day, and it's kind of hard to separate that from like, okay, but what did I learn? You know. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like it's a, it's a big step, to just like even after a day like that to still be like. Okay, but what did I learn? You know, it's so much easier to just be like, "Ugh, this was a sucky day. Like, I'm just going to forget about dentistry. I'm going to watch YouTube and, like, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll look yeah. at everything again tomorrow. Um, but the only way to get better is to figure out, like, how do I, for example, like, you look at the supervisor and, and like, they do the, they do like a nice suture and it's like, okay, I'm at A, they're at B. Like, how do I get from here to there? You know, well, I feel like, like I'm at A, and wh- they're
0: like Z. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like, how, mm. how can I do to get from my position to theirs? Mm.
1: Yeah, and something I, w- I was thinking about recently is that I think the that feeling, a uh, feeling a little bit lost in terms of like what's the way forward, or feeling a bit like um, knocked down in terms of mm. your current position, is like at the very least, it's a sign that you're trying to, you know, kind of level up your skills. Because if everything was easy, then it means you're not leveling up, it means you're just staying where you are, you know? Yeah, So, And I, yeah, it's hard to like, kind of accept that at times where like, the struggle is a good thing. But yeah, literally, if everything was easy, like if the post and call was easy, then, it, it all that would have said is that the procedure wasn't actually that difficult. Like that wouldn't yeah. have given me any info to work off of. But because I struggled so much, um, you know, it humbled me and I realized like, okay, there's a lot of other stuff that I don't know. And now going forward, cause it's gonna be a long time before I have to do another post and call, cause that was mm. my last one for the year. So the next one, the next post and call I do, Is probably going to be like in private practice in two years' time, (laughs) you know? So it's going to be a while before I do something like that again. But what I realized was now every time I'm at a practice or something and I see someone doing a post and call, I can now ask much better questions, like much more pointed questions, because now I know what I can do. And I also know what it is that actually I don't know how to do or I'm really bad at the thing. So now I can be like, instead of just asking, how do you do this thing? Like, how do you do a post and call? It's like, okay, I know how to do a post and call and I know how to do this part of it, but how do you do that? And how do you get around that problem? And what material do you mm. use for that? And the quality of your questions just get a lot better. And so the yeah. learning also kind of increases a lot, you know? Yeah, I feel like it's, um, basically what,
0: what we're saying here is like, you need to become comfortable being uncomfortable because- yes. A lot of the time, that's what it's going to be, you know, like, like you said, the post and core, I mean, even like, if it was easy, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have given you much satisfaction either, you know, I mean, even like that, Mm. those roots that I took out that were just in the, in the gum, you know, it's like, yeah, it looks cool, I just popped them out, but like, anyone could do that, it's not, it's easy, it's not, it's not, you know, teaching you much, especially Mm. compared to when you struggle with it, and a lot of the times in dentistry, you're going to be uncomfortable, um, and you need to be. You need to find a way. Like I, I haven't mastered that yet. I'm nowhere near mastering that. But you need to find a way to become comfortable being uncomfortable, because it's in those uncomfortable mm-hmm. moments that you actually do the most learning, or that you progress mm-hmm. further. And it's an uncomfortable thought, thinking that for the rest of your career, you know, you need to constantly be learning. You can't just leave dental school and and it's over. You like you need to constantly mm-hmm. be upping your game, especially if you care about about like progressing and developing your skill set and offering new things to your patients, once you leave dental school, we learn like pretty much the bare minimum. You need to really still be learning. And that means you need to Mm. still be struggling. And so that could be an uncomfortable thought. People walk out of dental school. It's been five years of like blood, sweat and tears. And you're like, yay, I've made it. But you have made it. Sure, you know a lot now, but you don't know nearly enough. You know, you need to still be learning. And that can be Mm. uncomfortable at times. But I think if in dental school already you embrace the fact that you're going to be uncomfortable sometimes, and that doesn't mean that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that you're progressing and you're growing as not Mm. only a person but as a clinician as well. That can be a really good thing to wrap your head around early on. The more and more we think about that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Okay,
0: you go first. (laughs) <laughs> okay, Okay. I was saying the more and more you think about
1: that, the more comfortable you become with that thought. Okay, you go. <laughs> yeah, like if you build those kind of mental habits now, when, you know, making a mistake isn't that bad, it's just a much kind of safer environment to, you know, get used to feeling like that and to kind of embrace that mentality. And then when you get out there, you know, when you now have to deal with the stress of like mistakes being a little bit more high stakes essentially, at least you don't have to deal with the kind of emotional aspect of that anymore, because you kind of yeah. sorted that out in dental school already. At least for me, one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the past few years is being bad at something does not mean I can't do the thing. It just means I can't do the thing yet. Yet, yeah. And I think the, the
0: biggest thing to like get past the, the way to actually do that is to to get rid of like like we spoke about before, your ego, because if you have an ego and it's very easy to get one it can be very very like it can it can push you off like your progress path a lot Hmm. quicker because when you make those mistakes you kind of beat yourself up a lot more about it and you're kind of trying to hide it you know
1: yeah and it's also like you look for other reasons as to why the thing didn't go well instead of oh, I just wasn't good enough, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Like saying I wasn't good enough doesn't mean you're never going to be good enough. It just means today it didn't go well. Um, Mm. And that's fine. Like you're in dental school, school, not dental life. (laughs) It's like you're in dental Mm. school. No one expects you to be perfect.
1: Very difficult to, to remind yourself of that. Yeah. I was even telling someone else in my class the other day, like we're still, like I know we're final year and stuff, but we're still dental students. There's a reason we don't have the title yet. It's because there's still stuff we don't know. Mm. Like, <laughs> you know, so it's yeah. okay to still be figuring it <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Like, if we already knew everything, we wouldn't be here anymore. Like, they would have already sent us out. Exactly. You know?
0: Yeah. And I, you, can, you can see it a lot. Like, especially being in oral surgery, there was a lot of final year students rotating in and out. And you can just see the level of, like, calmness they have in the in the clinic compared to like something like somebody like me that has like i panic when i'm taking longer than 10 mm. seconds to take this tooth out because i don't know any better one of them like i saw like he was he spent like 20 30 minutes trying to dig this difficult root out and he was calm the entire mm. time and the only reason he could be like that was because he spent so much time actually doing it yeah th- and he understands you know yeah the thing
1: is the way these things play out. Yeah, the thing is like, he doesn't have to prove anything to himself anymore. Whereas when you're doing something for the first time, you still have to prove to yourself that you can do the thing. And until you get to that point where you know you can do the thing, there's this constant kind of pressure that I think we put on ourselves where it's like, yeah, you're just trying to prove to yourself and everyone else that, no, I can take a tooth out. But until you know how to take out that tooth, like, you know, you, you don't really have claim on that yet. But the thing is also like, once you get to the point where you know how to do it, like you don't think about it anymore, you know? And it's kind of like, I don't know why I was in a rush to try and prove this to everybody because I mean, you still have like 200 more extractions to do. So like, it doesn't really matter. Like, I think about this a lot, which was, I don't remember a lot of my first patients, like a lot of my first restorations and extractions, like I don't remember like the majority of those first ones I did I just remember maybe like one or two particularly bad ones but all the like mediocre ones (laughs) you know I've forgotten about them because they don't matter you know all that matters is Mm. like have I improved since then if yes that's the only data you really need but then on the topic of oral surgery just to kind of like wrap things up Mm. I'm curious what are some other like specific things that you're still, like, struggling with or that you're trying to figure out? Because I think this could be a nice, like, you know, little advice section for yeah anyone else that's also, like, still getting into oral surgery or still has to get into oral surgery. Well, I think
0: some of the things are, like, things that you just naturally will get better at, like, you know, positioning your forceps, you know. Um, like, you know the theory behind it. Like, you need to position them, like... You know, subgingivally to grab the crown properly so that it doesn't, you know, you don't slip or it doesn't break. So things like that that you'll naturally get better at. And then there's other things where it's just like, you know, like you know, when when do you decide like you're gonna use an elevator? When do you need like to go get an elevator? Or when is it okay to like, or just to use the forceps? You know, like those. That's something I've actually been
1: wondering recently. Mm. I think it's um. For me, at least, I kind of gauge it a bit on confidence, mm. which is that if I think I can just get the tooth out with a forceps, and there's, I think a lot of it is also like what's the quality of the remaining tooth structure. So if the tooth is like heavily compromised, the moment I put a forceps on that and I'm going to apply a bunch of pressure, let's say for example, it's a 3 7 and, you know, crown has been eaten away entirely. Um, that interradicular area is probably not very strong. So the moment I'm either gonna put a forceps or a cow horn in there, chances are very high that interradicular area is just gonna snap. Yeah. And then I don't really have a hold on the roots anymore. So in a case like that, uh, if there's a, and also elevators, you kinda need teeth adjacent to what you're extracting. So let's say in this example of the three seven, if they are teeth around it, then I would maybe go in or something like a coupland elevator and just try to lift up the roots individually. Oh, okay. Um, and then maybe take a cow horn, just split the roots mm. and take a premolar forceps and just take it out. I think um, at the start, yes, it's, still, it's important to know which forceps you use for what. But as you go, think about the exact case that you have, don't necessarily always try to be like, this is tooth A, therefore I need forceps B. It's not always black and white when it comes to using a forceps or using an elevator. It really is just look at what you have and also don't be afraid to try new stuff, especially as you get more comfortable in oral surgery. So for now it's figuring out the basics. But once you start getting a bit of a sense of like, okay, I've at least extracted a few of these teeth, I've extracted a few of those kinds of teeth, the next time you get, let's say you've extracted like a few maxillary molars, the next time you get a maxillary molar, you know, and you're pretty confident you can get it out regardless, um, then ask the supervisor like, hey, can you maybe show me how you would use a couplin in this case to maybe raise the tooth a little bit to make the extraction? a bit easier, or, you know, you can start, I would say, just ask, you know, once you feel like, okay, I can do this extraction without the help of the supervisor, that's usually exactly when I ask for help, because that's when you get to ask, like, the more interesting questions, and where you really get to start leveling up your skills, but to just kind of come back to it, always, in oral surgery especially, look at what's in front of you, and then decide, don't look at the file. And see, it's this tooth. Therefore, I need to use that. Like, what is in front of you, mm. and that will determine the best way forward. Yeah,
0: I think initially it's very, it's very like. I mean, for us now, it's just, I mean, just starting, it's very easy to just like look at the look at the file. Oh, it's a three six, and then go get the textbook. The mm. textbook it recommends. But like you said, as, as as you get more comfortable, you kind of understand the anatomy more, the forces you need to apply, and what instrument could mm. actually be best. And sometimes it's not the. The textbook one i've i've actually seen supervisors do that you know and sometimes and they even said that you know they're like not like you won't always use this you know for this but and sometimes like i bring them the textbook you know forceps and they're like because they want to check it before i use it and they're like no no not this one get me a different one and i'm like but mm. but but you said but <laughs> and then i'm like oh i see mm. so i've also been exposed to like yeah. kind of understand that you know a bit more but yeah, I feel like those are all really good tips to like keep in mind. I'm very eager to get back in and just start like building up my confidence in the clinic mm. um, as well as like, you know, the rest of the
1: clinics as well. Yeah, just a final note on what helped me a lot, especially back in fourth year when I was learning a lot of procedures for the first time. Um, what I did during those first like two months is I kept a little book on me that fits in like my, my scrub pocket. And at the end of each session, um, after the marking and everything was done, after we cleaned everything up, I would always take out the little um, notebook. And before I forgot, I would just write down, like, what was the biggest thing I struggled with in that session. Um, And I would just kind of keep a record of that. And then every time I would, like, go back to a specific clinic, I would pull out my little pocket and be like, is there anything in this clinic that I struggled with last week? Oh, I broke this crown. So when I'm in oral surgery again, I'll be like, hey, last week I was extracting this tooth. I broke this crown. Um, Do you have any tips for like not breaking crowns? (laughs) You know, just like general advice. Or if it's like a very specific case where it's like, oh, I had to do an extraction on like this child patient. Like I have no experience with pediatrics how do you usually approach like, you know, pediatric extractions, that kind of stuff. Um, And that's how you slowly, like, it's slow because it takes like a few months, Mm. but I actually think that's the best way to accelerate your growth. Because if a problem is still fresh on your mind, then, and you then get feedback on it while it's still on your mind, your brain is like, oh, okay, let's correct this, you know? Whereas if you just do like a ton of extractions for two months and you kind of slowly figure it out, Mm. and then like every now and then you ask the random question, um, you'll still get there, but not nearly as quickly. So for me, I took a very systematic approach to it, where I was like, okay, let me just keep track of what I'm struggling with. And I mean, the other day I was paging through it, and I was like, "Yo, Johan was like a flippant idiot. Oh my goodness! <laughs> back in the like, day. <laughs> l- 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 these were the kinds of things you were struggling with." I was just like, "What? A-? Like, the one notes I made was, I struggled to aim the caring light at the restoration properties. I was like, "What? A- <laughs> d- what? No, but S- that's actually a send really, it back to first year. That's a like, really interesting you know? idea.
0: I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to actually properly employ that idea because." You know, doing so many clinics every week, you kind of forget, you know, what you're struggling with. And then if it happens, like you said, if it happens to come up again and you happen to ask the right question, you might get feedback on it. But actually writing it down after each session, it's not going to take long just to write something quickly, you know, while you're waiting, mm. f- in my case, while you're waiting for the paperwork to be signed. Um, like, yeah, I feel like it's a really good idea to keep a small little book for that. I'm actually going to do that.
1: Yeah, and what I like about it is it kind of gamifies the process as well. Mm. Um, because it's like, and I know this sounds so stupid, but honestly, like when dental school is getting rough, like, you know, um, the smallest bit of hope or fun is like always appreciated. <laughs> yeah. So like even after a really bad session, I could tell myself, at least I have something for the notebook. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. like at least it's something, you know, so you don't walk out of a session being like, I achieved absolutely nothing today. And it helps to just remind you as well, this is just part of the process. It sucks, it sucks that it sucks, but this is just the game Mm. and I'm determined to get better at it. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, like I just said, like some of those notes I made are flipping stupid, but (laughs) at that time, I literally didn't know how to get around that problem. And the only way to get around the problem was addressing it and being like, yeah, bro, like flipping, I couldn't get the carrying light correct. (laughs) You know, I feel like an idiot that this is the thing I'm struggling with, but that was the thing I struggled with. And since then I've never made that mistake again. And when, you know, if you've done like over a hundred different mistakes and you fixed all of those mistakes over time, by the time you get to the end of that hundred mistakes, you're a really flippin' good clinician.
0: Mm. You know? Yeah. No definitely. But um Here we are. that was another week in dental school. Chaos, ups and downs all over the place. Ups and downs, you're- It's like a roller coaster continuously, but I hope everybody benefited from this episode um, and got something out of it. If not anything, at least get a small little book and make notes in it about how sucky you are so that you can learn in the future. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it from us for this week and good luck for the week ahead.
1: Good luck.